Welcome back to the Glove Golf Podcast with Evil Eddie and James McSweeney here in the building for episode number 17. Looking forward to this episode. There's so much to talk about that happened this week, and James actually has a pretty interesting story, kind of a, a nightmare if you're a fighter. So uh, what's going on, James? I know that you're doing a lot of traveling right now, but besides that, you know, how's everything going? Yeah, everything's cool. Just getting back and settled from my trip from Europe and then uh, just preparing to... I'm moving to Plano, Texas to open up my new gym. So just getting everything prepared. I was meant to be leaving today, but uh, we had a few delays with the, with the truck and so forth. So it looks like it could be tomorrow or maybe even the day after. So it's a little bit of a stressful time, but hey, it's just life and it? it's no big deal. Well, this is like the worst time of year to really be traveling. I mean, especially crossing borders and stuff, that, that had to be a nightmare within itself. Yeah, I mean, even coming back from Europe, I, I, we had delays. We had, they lost my luggage. And then when we got to Chicago, the flight was canceled. And then it was like the next flight for 24 hours. They want me to sit in an airport with a six-year-old for 24 hours. And it's like, it's impossible. And they weren't willing to help us out with like hotels or I had to rent a car, drive another seven hours from Chicago back to Detroit, then come back again. And then it's, oh, you can put a claim in. So I come back, I, I file for a claim. They refuse it. It's just, it's just one of those, it's just one of those nightmare situations. So. You know what, you can get stressed out about it, but at the end of the day, I've learned to just get stressed out about things I can control. If I can control it, I, I let it bother me. If I can't control it, I'm not I'm not putting no effort into it anymore. And, and that's a big part about being a fighter, and that definitely reflects on everything that you've been dealing with uh, in the last couple of weeks. Now, to catch all of our listeners up, you actually had a fight. Now, bring us through what happened here, because this is really a nightmare. And then after you share the story, then I'll have some questions for you that I'm sure everyone wants to uh wants to ask you well this is a situation that i've been around elevation in the game for a long time but this is one of my first experiences of having this um i've had some shooting decisions i've had some things that you know but that's just a part of fighting sometimes but this situation was just a, a, a snowball of events so um i finished off my camp in in europe i went over to holland and finished my camp with my trip my coach had a small little injury but i just it wasn't nothing big it just was a little niggly thing didn't affect my performance at all um arrived in um castle uh, in germany where the fight was taking place um did everything waited around did all the normal stuff pre-fight we had to go to the weigh-ins I turn up at the weigh-ins. We have to, as always, when you go to this stuff, you have to go and do your medical check first. Then you go and do your photo shoots, videography, and all the interviews. Then you get on the scale, right? So I, as I turn up, I look around. I don't see my opponent. But that's not always new. It can just happen. It can be late or whatever. And then uh, I did my medicals. I did all the all the, all the the interviews. and uh, But I keep looking on the paperwork to see, like, if he pre-weighed in, is but his name's just blank, so he hasn't been there yet. So I'm expecting to show up anytime soon. We go through the whole lineup. I was the co-main event, what was a world title fight, and um, doesn't show up to the weigh-ins, doesn't show up to the photo shoot, doesn't show up to interviews, doesn't show up to anything. So, okay, so usually you've got an hour to show up or, you know, there's fine deductions and stuff like that. We waited around, no one showed, no one knew where it was, everyone saying not answering his phone. So I said, okay, well, let me know when he shows up. Waited around that night. Never got a phone call that he showed up. Never got nothing. But that evening, it's the, we fight on the Saturday, the 22nd. On the 21st, which is a Friday, we had to do the weigh-ins, which is normal. Then we had to do the pre-rehearsal for the opening ceremony uh, Friday night. So we go to the, to the arena, check out the uh, – in this case, it was in a ring check out the arena we wait around they do all the call out i don't see my opponent i look around still not here still not showing up but people are telling me they've seen him in the hotel he's here he's in castle but he's not here in the arena so we do the whole lineup you stand here when this music happens you stand there and uh, i'm 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 me and him should be the only two on, on the main gate because we're the main event yeah and uh, i'm standing there on my own so the, the promoter's running around like a lunatic. Get him here. Everyone's calling his name. No one's coming. So anyway, we all finished the rehearsals. And he hasn't shown up. So I know the promoter, Sefa, and I said, listen, Seth, this is this is not right. You know, I don't even know the guy's weight. It's a heavyweight, but 265 is the limit, 120 kilos is the limit. But, you know, does it really bother me that he's a bit heavy or he's a bit – not really. I don't really care. So I said, listen, I'm not too worried about the weight stuff, but he should be here. 
disobligations, right? This is part of being a pro. He goes, James, he disrespected you. He disrespected me, the event. He's caused problems at the hotel. Everyone around him has caused problems. I'm going to make sure that this is deduction or purse and blah, blah, blah. So that's your business. But my business is I should know that he's here. He'll be there. He'll be there. So they said on the fight day, main event card starts at 9. The opening ceremony starts at 9 p.m. It's live television. You have to be here. Be here at 7.30, the latest. But I got there at 6 because one of my fighters was fighting on the card as well. And he was fighting at 6.45. So I wanted to be backstage with him to give a bit of moral support. I couldn't be in his corner because obviously I'm fighting. But I wanted to be backstage. So I got there at 6. I said hello to him. And uh, anyway, long story short, he won his fight, which was fantastic. We wait around for the opening ceremony, 9 o'clock. Boom, 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 fireworks and the lights and everything else. I go out. I'm the last one to be called. No opponent. Doesn't show. So this time I could see everyone's pretty mad. Everyone's pretty serious. Everyone's calling his name on the microphone. No, no sign. We all go backstage. I go back to my dressing room. I just throw, I start laughing because I think well, the fight's going to be off. This fight must be cancelled, surely. Yeah. Because who in the right mind is going to allow this fight to go on? Because he hasn't shown up anyway. Legally, it shouldn't have happened. Because UFC wouldn't allow it, right? No, no one would allow it. Not. UFC, yeah. 1FC, Bellator, um, KSW. I fought for all of these companies and not one of them would allow it. K, K1 wouldn't allow it. If you don't show up to the weigh-ins, the fight's not on. Mm. That's it. Because you legally, we've got to see what you weigh. That's it. Like, if you do, let's say you go and make, you, let's say you fight for weight category like 205. If you don't show up within an hour, you're off the fight card because your opponent made weight. You've got one hour to make weight from that time. So let's say you're overweight. You've got one hour to make it. Otherwise, you've got a decision. The fight goes on or it doesn't go on, right? Yeah. The fighter can say, yeah, okay, I take 50% of his purse and the fight continues. Or he says, no, 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 there's no fight. Fuck that. I'm not doing it. Right, so I already felt like I gave a chance because I didn't care about the weight. Yeah. All right. So, uh, thirty minutes after he he uh, after the ceremony, about nine thirty, I need to go to the bathroom. So I walk from the corridor. Well, I spot him walking down with some bags. As we walk past the corridor together, he won't look at me in my eye, but he he barges me with his bags, and he barges me with with his shoulder. So. Uh, <laughs> I look and I think, I said, really? But he just keeps walking. He doesn't look back. He doesn't say, none of his team saying, uh, I just stood there like this, like, we're going to fight right now in the, in the chain, in the, in the hallway. He just keeps going. I go back to my, I tell my team, we calm down. Anyway, I take a sleep. I, I, got, I wasn't fighting until 11.45 at night. So I was about 9.30. I'll take a rest for an hour. Then I'll start getting ready. About 20 minutes later, one of the girls from the from the show says, "Mr. McSweeney, James, James." What? 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 She says, um, "The opponent's team have asked me to ask you or to tell you that they want to come in and check you before the fight." I said, "Check me for what?" She goes, "Well, they're saying you you've got Vaseline on." <laughs> so I, she goes, "What should I say?" So I, just, I was almost about to get mad at her, but I, I know it's not. she's not the person to get mad at, right? She's Don't just shoot the, the messenger. messenger right? yeah. so I just said to her, you know what? Tell them that I said no. And she went, what? I said, tell them I said no. And then I put my headphones back on and I went back to sleep. Well, I tried to. 20 minutes later, the promoter comes knocking on the door. James, James, James. I said, what? What, what do you want? He said, we'll have a rules meeting. Can you please come? Please come to the rules meeting. I said, the rules meeting was yesterday. Nobody showed up. He said, please, for me, please, for me. Can, can you come? So I get my coach, uh, Lucian. We walk out. It wasn't really a rules meeting. It was, they just bullshitted to get me out there. Yeah. My opponent was there with about two other guys and, uh, um, and the promoter. And then my coach was there. They said, we, we have reason to believe you, you have Vaseline on. We want to check you before the fight. I said, listen, I've been in this industry over 20 years. I've won fights and I've lost fights. No one's ever, ever once accused me of being a cheat. I've never, I've never been, I've never failed a drug test. I've never, you know, I've never cheated. I've, I've won and I've lost. So what the fuck are you talking about? I said, you know something? You've disrespected me since the whole time. He says, I'm going to check you before you walk in the ring. I said, then I'll knock you out 
before I knock him out. <laughs> and I walked off. So my coach was like, no, no, stay. I said, no, fuck this, Lucian. I'm not staying. So I walk off. My coach stayed. Basically, they come to an agreement where the referee would check us before we got into the ring, which happens anyway. Yeah. That happens before you get into any ring because you're not allowed to put any Vaseline on until you get in the ring, right? And so it's very simple. So finally, the fight happens. I go out. We get in the ring. The referee checks me. I now find out the referee has only ever refereed two MMA fights. Yeah, are, are you sure this isn't a nightmare that you had? This is this is real. Yeah. This is all real. I swear to you, this is real. Uh, I tell you one other little kicker that was funny. The the, the, the DJ, I, I fought for this company twice, right? And the DJ knows me, so I said to him, he said to me, "Oh, what music are you coming out to?" So I said, uh, "Puff Daddy, Victory." So he looks it up. Oh, okay, cool, no problem, Victory, great, blah blah. blah. I said the same as I always use, no problem. When I went to walk to the ring, guess what I came out to? What? I'm coming out. No. I've got the world to know. The biggest gay anthem in the world. Yeah. James, are you sure this isn't a nightmare, man? Right? So I'm backstage listening to this music thinking, this isn't my music. But of course, the show must go on, right? The show must go on. So I'm already a little bit pissed off, right? Yeah. So to the ring, I get in the ring, I ignore the music. His music comes on, which I sounded like it was the right music. He comes out. The referee checks me. We do the bullshit. We go to the center. But he will not look at me. Like, he will not look at me. Like, he, his head is everywhere but at me. I think, God, man, this guy is really scared. He's really scared. This is, this is going to be a piece of cake. I go to my corner. My coach said, he shit himself, James. You've already won the fight. Just do your job. Take your time. Round two. He's done. I said, yeah, no problem. So we go out, round one. I stand up with him. I, I just use my jab, make some low kicks, make a few head kicks. He tries to take me down. I escape him. Then eventually he took me down, uh, but I was right next to the ropes. We were fighting a ring, right, like pride days. But as we landed, the ropes were uh, just on the side of my arm. And uh, I think he was inside control. I went to escape, but we hit the ropes. So the referee stopped the fight, which was perfect, moved us to the middle, back inside control. Three, two, one, let's go. So I instantly escape. Instantly stand up, no problem. We continue the fight. I was winning the round. I beat him up with strikes. Um, he gets me against the ropes. He tries to take me down. But as I went to sprawl, of course, I'm thinking of the cage. My butt went through the ropes. So he got the takedown, but we kind of fall down into the ropes. And the bottom rope lands. I'm on my back, and the bottom rope landed across my chest this way. But he's on top. He managed to get mount as we landed, which was my fuck up, right? That was my mistake. But I honestly thought the referee would stop us and move us back to the middle. But he didn't. But there was about, I think there was about 40 seconds to go when this happened. I'll look at the video. I'll send it to you. About 40 seconds. So instantly I start defending wrist control. He's not even trying to punch me. But he was moving his arms, trying to get my hands off. And then literally no punches landed. And I heard the 10 second, the, the clacker go. Yeah. Yeah. So my coach said, James, 10 seconds. Don't worry. Hold on. Hold on. So I, I go to my side. I defend my head like this. And I start to push the knee with my left hand and get my knee under to get half guard and come around and get out. Take his back. So I did it in 10 seconds because it's good to the judges to see that I'm active before the round finished. And he didn't end up on top. You understand? It's not risky because within 10 seconds, what strikes am I really going to take in 10 seconds that are going to finish the fight? As I did this, the referee jumped in and stopped. So I think end the round. With two seconds left to go, he stopped the fight and fucking made my opponent the winner. So when you got so, up, you didn't realize that the fight was called no, off. You were going back to recording. No, no, no. We didn't get up at this stage, right? Check this out. I'm on the floor still over in the ring and my opponent's on top of me. Now, I'm pissed at the ref. At this point, I have no argument with, with the opponent at this point because it's not his fault that the fucking referee has made a bad decision. Do you know what I mean? Or jumped in too soon. Off job as fighters, it's a fight. Not his fault whatsoever. I don't hold him accountable for this. I was looking at the referee and said, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? I said, look, two seconds. I pointed at the clock. Two seconds. In the meantime, as I'm talking to him, my opponent goes ah, and screams like right in my face. He's still in mount on top of me. So 
I, I then put my hands on his hips and I buck him off. And as he stands up, he steps back and stamps on me. You're still so, on the ground and he, he stomps yeah, on you how? I got him off me, off, off him by mouth. He landed on his feet. And as he went to step away, he, he bring his leg up. I'll show you on the camera if you can see. Yeah, we can he see. bring his leg up like this and he stamps down on me before he walks away. Right on, on my throat. On sportsman like combat. Usually, right. yeah. So then my anger now has gone towards him. I jump up. I attack him across the ring. And all hell breaks loose. My corner jumps in. His corner jumps in. And uh, it's just, I can't get to him. But he's standing going, ah, on the other side of the ring. So I get my mouthpiece. I throw it at him. Uh, I'm furious. We go to the corner. All my people are trying to hold us all back. My people are fighting. His people are fighting. We're having a big old argument. So eventually it kind of calms down. He tries to come over to me to shake my hand. But I, I, I try to attack him again. I wasn't. I was in no Not mood. Not having to it. Yeah. You can't stamp on me on the ground and scream in my face, disrespect me the whole week, and then do that to me, especially after the referee just shit on me after two seconds to go. So I'm in a filthy mood. I'm really upset. I don't. I've been this upset in a professional fight in my life, if I'm really honest. So I attack him. It all gets split up again. His people kept coming over to me, and I know he. He's got a guy in his corner called Ivan Hippolyte. Ivan Hippolyte is a Dutch trainer, an amazing fighter from back in the day, and in fact was one of the first coaches I ever had when I went to Holland. And in fact, when I fought Dawood Schoonover in uh, the in in the Ultimate Fighter, you guys might final, know him as Titties. That, that, that's what Titties. <laughs> he he was in Daryl's corner. Oh wow, Hippolyte was. And then when I fought um, Thiago Silva just back in uh, October for KSW. Ivan Hippolyte was in his corner, right? And now, a year forward, Ivan Hippolyte is in this guy's corner. So Ivan comes up to me, please, James, I respect you, please calm down. I said, Ivan, okay, calm. So we calm down. I know Ivan, I've got a lot of respect for him, he's a good guy. Even though he's cornered a ton of fighters against me, he's one of the good people. He's been around a hell of a long time. The promoter comes into the corner and says, James, I'm really sorry, man, I'm really sorry. It's disgusting. Uh, no contest, no contest. So it calms me down. He said, do you want rematch? I said, yes, of course. So that he gets, the referee puts us in the middle. We have us either side. The guy, uh, the promoter talks in German to the crowd, which I, I don't know what he's saying, but I understand he says rematch and points the microphone to my face. So I said, I said, yes, no problem. We can do it right now. I like continue the fight right now in round two or whenever you want. I'm good to go. He said, okay, perfect. Did to the guy rematch. The guy says, yes. So I think, okay. Then the referee announces my opponent as the winner. In a championship and, fight as well, guys. Championship gave, fight. And then they gave him the fucking belt, right? So I was just furious. I knew, listen, if I was going to argue even more, it was just going to get physical and it would have been bad for TV, bad for everybody. So I just leave the ring. I go back to my corner. I'm really pissed off. Anyway, um... They all try to reach out to me after the after the event, but I'm in no mood to talk to anybody. I just go and see my family and my friends, have a couple of drinks with them. In the hotel, Ivan Hippolyte, his coach, saw me in the hotel, and he sent over some drinks to where I was sitting. And then as the the, the bar manager comes, I said, oh, James, it's from the guy over there. He want to buy you a drink. So I look, I said, who? And then I see him waving. He said, are we Okay. So I went up to him, I gave him a hug. I said, Ivan, it was never personal with you, man. He said, James, this, my, my fighter has done this so many times. He's very disrespectful. I'm really sorry. I, I'm done with this. I can't have this anymore. I'm going to put this right or I no longer train him. And I said, listen, you do what you've got to do. I said, but for a young lad, he doesn't represent himself very well. Forget the stamping thing. Just Even just not going to the medicals and all this stuff. Um, it's, it's really bad. You know what I mean? I said, so uh, as, as we're doing this, it's just one argument after another. And um, one second, sorry. It's all right. There you go. Sorry about that. Um, yes. So it's um, one argument after another, and it's just getting out of hand. So uh, we finished the hotel. The next day, I have a meeting with the promoter in the morning over breakfast. He sees me, James, can we please talk? I said, yes, no problem. 
he, he at the breakfast I, I explained how upset and uh, um, peed off I am and um, and then the, he, he tells me that um, he tells me that um, you know the, the guy was disrespectful the whole thing he tried to apologize to him when he was paying him but he wouldn't even accept his apology he's mad and I said listen I don't understand it I said because there's been other aspects of the sport where people have had fights like when um, Nick Diaz, uh, uh, Mayhem Miller, yeah, yeah. Um, um, Edmund Traverdian and Travis <laughs> Brown were, were very He punched Billy um, and Koscheck. I said he got fired on the spot for, for, across the board. I said you gave the guy a belt. I said I don't understand how that works. So he was, oh, I'm sorry, I miss, I misunderstand the situation, I misconfuse it. Can we just pause this for two seconds and pick it up when I come back? I'm just yeah. gonna, I've got to text this message back. Yeah. Two seconds. Yeah. Yep, that's fine. All right, here it comes. All right, so pick it up from uh, right where you left off, where you were talking with the promoter um, the following so spoke, morning. So we spoke in the following morning. He was expressing to me the guy's behavior, not just with me, but with the staff. And it was un, un, it was a problem all across the board. And he's, he's good friends with the manager of the gym. He knows him. He's going to get this sorted out and blah, blah. And I said, yeah, that's up to you to sort out. But the fact is, misconduct, the, the referee shouldn't have started the fight. That's your problem. But second of all, what he did after, you almost caused a riot in your venue. And then you give the guy a belt and you give him a victory. It's, it's, I've never heard of him like that. I said, there's numerous fighters across the board that have, uh, uh, have punched or kicked after the belt. And they've been, I mean, like, they, I said, look at Paul Daly of the UFC. Yeah. He, he punched Josh Kocek and got barred from the UFC across the board. Forever. He didn't give the belt. I said, you give the guy a belt. I said, it's disgusting. So I said to him, listen, you do what you want. Oh, come on, please fight for me in December. I said, listen, the only way I fight for you again is if you take this to an independent body, get them to watch the fight, judge it innocently, but in the meantime, you know, you have to take the belt back. You can't, this can't give the belt. If you don't do this, then I'm not interested in fighting for you again. Because um, I took two fights on short notice. Uh, the first fight I took on a week's notice against a, 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 an Iranian champion in K1. I, I had seven days notice and I flew from Thailand and fought in seven days to help them. And then the second time I fought against um, uh, Daniel Ilonga, the glory number three, two in the world. I took him on a month's notice and helped them. And I knocked him out. So now it's like a one-way street of business, right? It's not how you do business. Yeah. So they are, they asked for seven days to present it to the 1FC um, um, referees or whatever, officials. Yeah. yeah. Well, they finally came back that, yes, it was a no contest. It was an early stoppage. Um, they've never seen a referee stop the fight with two seconds to go before. Um, they didn't believe there were significant strikes. You were that was intelligently defending yourself, right? That's what they said, yeah. yeah. And they do believe it, the fight should have been moved to the middle. So they've made it a no contest, and they rescheduled the fight now for December 7th in Frankfurt. Um, he had to give the belt back, and they rescheduled the fight. But, um, yeah, it was... I mean, listen, it's, it's, all, it's all said and done, but it's annoying because my initial argument would have been just with the referee, yeah. with the decision. But... Due to what he did after that, um, is is just absolutely disgusting. Prior to the fight, it was it was bad conduct. After the fight, it was bad conduct. And then what made matters worse was that um, since then, on social media, I haven't replied to any of this stuff because I think it's childish. But it just goes to show you um, what the gym is made of, what the people of the gym is made of, and what this guy is made of. Because when they saw me in the in the hotel and in the car park at the venue, there was about 20 of them, and it was just me and my other guy, my driver, and they didn't say nothing to me. They didn't say nothing. They didn't come up to me. They didn't try and talk to me. They didn't try and abuse me, try to fight with me. But since then, they make these silly little pictures, like goes around, comes around. And all the, I, I knocked out that Iranian guy, but when, there was one time I hit him, and he went down. I looked over him. I didn't shout him. I didn't say nothing. I just looked over him, and the referee pulled me away. And in Thai boxing, it's a dominating thing to do because you know the guy is not unconscious, but you want him to look up and see you. So therefore, when the fight continues, he always has a level of intimidation. So, but even after that fight, me and that Iranian guy, we were fine, no problem whatsoever. But um, 
they they messaged on my Instagram, they messaged on my Facebook, they messaged on my wife's Facebook. Ooh, whoa, that's this is this is where they crossed the line. Yeah. And then there was some like I I I'm, I've trained a lot of Iranian fighters before, and I've they're my friends. Um, I trained um, Ali uh, Amir uh, Amir Ali Akbar, and he just now got to UFC. He was the um, he fought in. Um, uh, Ryzen, he fought for uh, a load of big companies. Now he just got into the UFC. When I was training him, all the Iranian fans, they loved me. Absolutely. Oh, my brother, you're welcome. No problem. This, this, or this. And uh, even when I fought the K1 Iranian guy, the respect I showed him after by raising his hand and being cool with him, no one had a problem with me. But after this one, I've had, I don't judge um, a whole country or, or race of people by a few idiots on social media. Do you know what I mean? I'm too wise and old for that. Yeah. But I, everyone that did this just happened to be Iranian when I looked at them. So please. And since I made a post the other day, I've had about 250 to 300 Iranian supporters come and say, and say it's amazing. Um, oh, we love you, brother. Please don't let a few bad eggs ruin it. And I never will. And I've got to set my hands up. Iranian fans are the very patriotic. They're very supportive of their of their people. In fact, to a point that English fans aren't as supportive it's so as true. some of the Iranians. It's true, right? Because they will back their guys to the death. But what I didn't like was I've had people of these guys message me, talk poorly of my child, my daughter. All right, you're wow. talking about six year old. Wow. Right. Send pictures that they'd made up of her, pictures of my wife, pictures of me. So, and even the manager of their gym, the manager of this gym, which is called UFD in Germany, UFD gym, which is a ripoff of UFC, right? UFD gym, right? This guy uh, has, has made uh, silly pictures and posted them. He's talked real, a lot of problems about me. But when he saw me in the ring and saw me ringside, not a peep. He wanted, he was trying to shake my hand. Please, brother, calm down. Are you okay? Please, please, please. But when he went home, he couldn't wait to jump on his keyboard. Wait, You're this like, well, is have... not your old coach, right? This is someone no, different. No, 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 no. This is not on my coach. No, no. Okay, this is okay. this is the owner of the gym, UFD gym, which is where this guy trains. Now, uh, so, you know, it just goes to show you the quality of men sometimes. Because, I don't know, maybe I'm old school. When I started fighting, you, uh, internet didn't exist. There was no social media. You know, if you have a problem with someone, you knock on the door or you say hello to them and you have a problem face to face. And then like men, you deal with it or, or you don't. Right? That's, how, that's how I was brought up. So, uh, but now the rematch has been made. So the right thing's been done. They've called it a no contest due to early stoppage plus bad conduct yeah. before and after. But of course, now I'm fully aware of, of what's, you know, what these people are about. So my expectations are completely different and I will have things in place to make sure that the situation that took place before will not take place again. That's what I want to ask you now, James. Well, first off, they announced that the rematch is going down December 7th on their page, so everybody knows. So are you, with all these messages coming through, a little nervous about going back to that area and being around that uh, environment? No, not at all. I, I don't get I'm not, no, no, With due respect... Uh, uh, I'm a civilized, nice guy now. I, I'm a street guy, right? I come from, you know, a normal working class background. People that talk shit to me on social media are not real people. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't get intimidated by people like that. So uh, I actually look forward to going back, and I hope to see them because every person that I that messaged, not on the little idiots on social media that live all over the world, but the guys that made up the stuff on the gyms, when I see them, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to them about it. I'm gonna uh, whether it's before the fight, after the fight, I don't care. But you're not gonna talk about my wife and child and think it's this is a man's world and think you won't be held accountable. You will. Yeah, I, I gotta say this: if you are a part of that promotion, you have to be out of your mind not to do like an embedded series on this about the story that happened. Now you're gonna have the the rematch go down. I feel like there's a lot of people out there that love that kind of narrative. And I talked with Shane last night from SMS production for, for a while last night. And he was like, I've never seen James get this angry. So are, are, are you more motivated right now than uh, maybe the last 10 years? Is this 
you know, one of the yeah, most motivating to, factors I'll, in your career? I'll be honest with you. Um, to take something positive about something negative, um, I'm almost very thankful that this has happened because I felt I trained hard for this fight. I knew what I knew what the opponent was going to do. Um, I felt after his fourth takedown defense, when I had stopped them, he got weak. I knew his gas run out. I knew he wasn't going to stand on me, and he couldn't if he tried. So he was kind of like this, is like the Ben Askren of the heavyweight division in Germany, right? So with way less quality wrestling, let's put that straight. So I knew what he was going to, what was I was expected of. But with this kind of thing happening, it's kind of gave me a whole new. Not that I'm not motivated for any fight anyway, but after doing it for so long, you can't help but get into a um, set fixture of training camps. You can't help but get into, yeah, I'm in a good place, I'm okay, I'm, this is what I've got to do to do three, five rounds, whatever. But, of course, I have two fights before December, so my mind must always be on the two fights before. But when December comes, yeah, to say the least, um, I'm not the type of guy that within time... Um, I calm down. I'm just not. The only time I calm down is either when it's dealt with or an, or an arrangement's been made where it's, it's been handshaked and forgotten. There'd be no handshakes, and this will never be forgotten until it's dealt with. So for me, uh, when this fight camp happens, I'm going to be motivated more than, than ever. And um, so, yeah, I'm very thankful because at 38 years of age, after... 20 plus years of fighting at the highest level across the board, you can get to a point of where maybe, you know, not not his complacency, but you get not comfortable, but you get used to the training, you get used to the diet, you get used to all these things, and, and you know what? Um, you've got to be self-motivated, and I always am, but when this kind of stuff happens... It's an extra ingredient, yeah. It's, 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 it's put a fire up my ass like, no, tomorrow. So it's, it's his mistake that he's done this, and I'm very thankful very thankful. Now, James, uh, something that you mentioned to me yesterday that I didn't hear you say this time around was you actually heard from somebody through the grapevine that he was planning on not showing up, right? That was said to you before the fight even happened, right? Yeah, I got I got a message from a friend of mine uh, about a month or so out um, saying, oh, you know, I, I, I've just got a reason to believe um, – your next opponent may not may pull out of the fight, just giving you a heads up, you might get a change. You know? I say, he said, well, without giving all my things away, I can't say who it was, yeah. um, just said, listen, just bearing for it, he, he's, he, he doesn't like the fight. He doesn't like this fight whatsoever. And I said, what do you mean he doesn't like it? Is he injured or something? He said, no, 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 he just doesn't like it. It's in a ring. He doesn't like it because he knows it's going to be hard to take you down. And... Um, so when he didn't show up to all of the press conferences and fire shoots and the and the and the opening ceremonies, I thought, wow, last minute he's got to pull out, like this is over. And even if he didn't pull out, I thought this is going to be down to a negotiation factor. Like tomorrow will come and say to me, saying, James, listen, of uh, you want to take the fight, which I would have said yes, but we're going to have to strip X amount of percentage from his purse. Um, it's once... usually twenty percent in the UFC. Well, not if they don't show up to the weight. I've had up to fifty percent off someone for not making weight. Mm. So, you know, yeah, if you you know if you want to disrespect the sport and me and the game for not making weight, I'm going to make you pay. Uh, you know, so uh, if I gave you an opportunity to make weight, you still can't make it. I'm going to take fifty percent, which I've done that before. But um, this wasn't even put out there. This wasn't even a, down to negotiations. I just thought this wasn't going to happen. But of course, it happened. Um, and I always would have made it happen. I would have just made him sweat a little bit because if you make me be there all day wondering what's happening, it's time to flip that around, right? Yeah. So um, would have, I would have started playing those games. But um, now it's been resolved as in the fact of the rematches in place. I can... Um, I, I, I must admit, it was I was so angry and so disrespected. Um, it was affecting my mood. And uh, and my peace because uh, I needed it to be resolved, and yeah. now it's resolved. Now I've got my time where it's going to happen again. I can get my hands on him. Uh, I, I'm I'm okay. I can sleep at night. Yeah, especially even like every little detail you brought up down to your walkout song just sound like an absolute nightmare. And the referee, it's absolute nightmare. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not going to say the whole world is against me and this was against me and that's against me. It just turned out to be these ways. Whether done on purpose or not to try and fuck with me, I don't know. Um, I don't really care. Just, I just know if it's happened once, it will never happen again. I won't allow it to happen again. And like I said, I'll have everything in place when I get there to ensure all these factors are put in place uh, from, from day one. So let us know what you guys think about this situation down below in the comments and get ready for December 9th, right, James? December 9th? December 7th. December 7th. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it because this whole storyline is really exciting and it's a real shame how some of these fans are, which is a perfect way to segue into the next thing. Uh, ben Askren obviously losing this weekend at UFC 239 in five seconds. Quickest knockout in UFC history. Um, you see the fans come out the woodworks and just throw, you know, make all these memes. They uh, they just ridicule them. You know, it's a it's a crazy community. James, did you catch the Ben Askren fight? And what are your thoughts yes, about it? I caught all the fights. Um, I mean, this is. I mean, listen, Ben Askren isn't the only one. I mean, the problem with Ben is is that he went he went he, he went personal before the fight. So, I, I, and this is what I'm saying about this is similar to my situation after the fight. You made it personal. You mentioned my wife, you mentioned my children, my kid. Uh, you, you take it to a personal factor. You stamp on me after the fight. Now, that's personal. What Ben was saying to him before the fight, it wasn't business related. He was making it personal. He talked about his family. He talked about these things. Now, uh, Masker is a street guy, right? He was on the Kimbo team. Yeah, with your boy Kimbo. Yeah. Right? He was on the bare knuckle fighting team. This is a street guy. They're super talented, right? But he's a fighter. And he took it personal. He didn't He didn't play into you said, I said, she said. He waited his time and he let it go. So with Ben, if you, this is what I'm saying. I don't talk smack about my opponents. I don't go about, oh, your mom, your sister, this, your brother. I don't do nothing like that. I just go out there and I want to win my fight. And that's all I say. I'm going to win. He can't beat me because it's personal. It's professional. My professional opinion is that this guy doesn't have the talent to beat me. That's a professional opinion. That's like me saying, uh, you know, in, in, in media, I'm a better reporter than you. That's, that's a professional opinion. You know about our profession. Yeah. If I said I'm a better reporter than you, but and also your sister takes it up the yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Then now it gets personal. Do you understand? Yeah. But this is what Ben was doing. So after the fight, you can't be upset because you drew first blood, right? Hundred percent. And but here, here's the crazy. And, and to be honest, Ben hasn't Ben Ben hasn't whinged about it. If he if he's looking at his Twitter account, he just said. Well, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which fair play Timmy took it on the chin, and he said, "You know what? Don't be hard on him. I probably deserved it." Owning up so, to it. So does that take away so, future shit talking? So therefore, he took it on the chin, and you, I've talked the shit, and now I'm going to get it back. I'm a man. I put myself in that bed, and I'm going to lay with it. So I respect him for that. I know Ben from One FC, so. You know, uh, I've not always been the biggest fan of his fighting style because it, um, I always felt that, yeah, he, he, the funny thing about Ben is that he always finds a way to win. <laughs> like, even against um, Lawler. Like, Robbie should have on paper, he, he was made for Robbie to beat the piss out of him, really on paper, because Robbie's wrestling is good, his ground is good, he's super strong, and he hits like a rocket. So he was on paper supposed to lose that fight, but he found a way to win in a headlock. I mean, come on, you know. So that's that's the thing about Ben. He finds a way to win, but on this card, he didn't even get a chance to get in the game. That, 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 he didn't get a chance to get in the game. That's what I want to bring up here, James. Because uh, going back to what everyone's saying on social media, they're like, "Oh, he's done. Dana's gonna drop him." Well, first off, we don't know how many fights he has on his contract. Number two, he's nineteen and one. This is his only professional loss, and it happened in a split second. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, this just goes to show you. Like, I'm I'm not saying that the intelligence of a fan or whatever, but the thing is, that's the intelligent fans that know about the sport. They don't make those kind of comments because, a, first of all, no one loses one fight. I mean, look at what he got paid, right? Two hundred fifty thousand dollars, right? So he's not on he's not on a chump or a mugs um, contract, right? He's on a real 
lucrative contract. He went from a fifty thousand in one FC to two fifty in the UFC, right? So he's not on a chumps change. He's on real money. So he's not on an idiot's contract. So he ain't gonna lose one fight and out he goes. So the fact is, when that's the problem, like. Yeah, with Connor and stuff like that. When you go down this taunting road and you make it all whatever, when you do lose, you open yourself up to a huge backlash of ha, 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 ha. Right? You've got to expect it. And in fact, it happens whether you do the shit talking or you don't. So, you know what? At the end of the day, who really cares if you do or you don't? So, it is what, it, you know, it is what it's going to be. It's crazy because the UFC encourages a lot of the fighters to to boost up fights and you know you don't necessarily have to go down the Kobe Covington path and cross lines or you know yeah but the thing is it's, it's not just the UFC every fighter in the world does it now because it's like one single person did it it's like it's like Mayweather in boxing now everyone wants to be undefeated like Mayweather so if you've got a loss like now you see uh, Anthony Johnson uh, Anthony Joshua it's the fight oh he's lost he's nobody now he's not all the greats have lost. All the greats. Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, all the greats. Evander Holyfield, you name them, they've lost a fight. But because Mayweather has lost a fight and gets paid, you know, hundreds of millions bar. of dollars, now everyone wants to be like, if you've lost one fight, you're a loser, right? That's the fans following the train. So that's what's going to happen now. We've, after Connor, everyone was getting... Connor's getting paid major money because of his shit talking. So now everyone wants to be a shit talker because they think he's going to get them the money. Do you know what I mean? So now all these fighters and all these promotions all want you to shit talk and they want you to be the fighter and they also want you to sell the tickets. They want you to promote his job. Now this is a, a, a perfect... Is fight, right? it's, not, it's not to fucking sell your tickets for you. My job is to fight. Be myself and be my, my, my character. If people like my character, whether they love me or hate me, they're going to buy tickets. I'm not a comedian. I didn't go on to be on stage school, and I wasn't an actor. I'm going out there to fight. But some of these promotions nowadays, um, they want you to do all and above. Now, this is a perfect segue, riding off of what you just said about, you know, these fighters, they don't really want to talk shit. They don't really want to all do all the extra stuff. Amanda Nunes, there was a reporter, and he actually responded to me. I forgot his name. Uh, Dan was actually talking about him as well at the post-fight presser, saying Amanda Nunes is not marketable. Listen, I don't care if the fighter's marketable. She's going in there, and she's knocking out Ronda Rousey, uh, Chris Cyborg, now Holly Holm with a with a head kick. Holly Holm's old. She crow-copped, crow-copped, basically. Misha but listen, but what makes, it's impressive. But what, what makes you laugh is when a member of the media tells probably – the most famous and successful promoter in the world, who's promotable and who's not. How did that work? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a guy interviewing and saying, she's not promotable. What the fuck do you know about promotions? You're holding a camera. Yeah, do yeah. your job. Ask an intelligent question. Ask, think of a question that hasn't been asked 50 times before you. Because that's what usually happens. No. You've been asked the same question 50 friggin' times. You know, they should come up with something that uh, uh, you can't be, sit there and think that he's going to be a promoter and uh, and uh, and uh, an interviewer at the same time. At the end of the day, she speaks for herself. She's super talented. She fights. She fights from the heart. That's promotable in my eyes. So let me pull up what Dana White said about this, because it goes with everything that you just brought up. Um, let me just let me just find this really quick. But Amanda Nunes, just being able to do what she's been able to do between Ronda Rousey, Chris Cyborg, I mean, you name it. Yeah, I just think... Look, she just knocked out... I mean, even if you... Look, she just knocked out Holly Holm. Now, Holly Holm is the only female successful boxer to make it into the UFC and become a champion. Holly Holm was a, an amazing boxer, won world titles across the board. She's won world titles in kickboxing. And now she has UFC titles too and fought the who's who. If she would have won that fight, she would have been labeled the most successful female fighter of the world. Without a shadow of a doubt. She was one fight away from it. And it's only a hair's like this much difference. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If they fight 10 times, maybe it's five and five, maybe it's six and four. Who knows, right? And then all of a sudden, now they're making out as if she was no one. And now this girl, Amanda Nunes, has got to talk to the talk to sell a fight. She's just beaten the most successful female athlete in the fight combat world. 
easily too. Now, let me play this clip from Dana because it goes with what you're saying here as well. When I hear people talk about, oh, well, this one isn't a sign, that idiot, what's the idiot's name? What's the idiot? I'll give him more fucking PR here. What's his name? Ravel, okay? Guys out running 40-yard dashes and shit. This guy likes fucking attention, okay? This guy likes attention, and I'm going to give him more attention. You know, he says, uh, the worst thing that could have ever happened tonight is Amanda Nunes won. She's not a star for the UFC. So th this is the type of stupid shit that, that we hear. Amanda Nunes Man, it doesn't matter. You know, you know what I mean. This guy's opinion doesn't matter. The fact is, uh, at the end of the day, let's check. Let's let's push, push put it down to what it really comes down to: money, right? Amanda Nunes is the most successful female fighter in the UFC by she far. She got paid more than John this week. Exactly at the moment, right? And look at it. Go back ten years. I remember sitting with Dana White as we come out of the Ulmer Fighter House. He took us all out for dinner. Before we went to the strip club, and I sat next, and I was sitting next to Dana, and someone mentioned, I'm not sure who it was, someone mentioned about female fighters, and he said, "Then, not, not while I've got air in my body, will there be a female in the UFC cage." Ten years ago, that was, and now, look how much it's changed, right? Mm. Look how promotable it is. Look how much, no matter who started it, who finished it, who won, and who not. The women athletes of the world, especially in the combat world, have got the respect they deserve. They're super talented. They're earning amazing money to support their families. They're putting on amazing fights for the fans. Who cares for the opinion of a reporter who's really hasn't achieved anything? He's just he's just trying to be a shock value reporter. Exactly. Let me say something outlandish just so my name gets put in headlines. So Dana Wade you know, can say it again. Yeah, yep. You know what I mean? It's not that if he joins the if he joins the realm and says, "Oh no, Amanda is uh, the two-time unbeatable pound for pound the best female fighter in the world." Who's going to hear this dickhead's name? No one. So that's the what society it, now. It has to come up with the shock value. I have to be the idiot. I have to be the joker. I have to be the dummy to cause you know to cause a wave. You got to provoke. Yeah. You, you just said it. That's what that's what social media is all about nowadays. Is about someone challenging. Like like I said on mine. Before I started fighting, before when, actually when I was fighting, when I first started, uh, up until '95 or whatever, '96, and I went, I think, I think the internet started '98, right? '98, yeah, around that time. I never had one single fan up until this day. I've never had one single fan walk up to me after one of my fights in the venue, in the weigh-ins, in the supermarket, anywhere in the world, walk up to me and say, James McSweeney. I saw you fight. You fucking suck. You're this. You're. I've never had that. Never once in a million. Never once. Not even a situation where someone's even said they don't like the way I fight. No one's even said nothing to me. But yet I can turn my phone on. Uh, like to be honest, I haven't had it for a long time up until this last fight, right? So I've got to be say where it's at. But up and look at this. I had like 150 messages. Not one time would they come up and say it's my face. So it's the same as this reporter. Go up to Amanda Nunes and say it to her face and see what she does to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's just disgusting. It's, it pisses me off. Uh, what a lot of these people do. It's, it's unintelligent. It's, it's nowadays to be intelligent doesn't get attention. To be a simpleton gets you attention. Like oh, these reality shows. These reality shows that are on TV. Everyone on there is dumb. They get drunk. They act stupid. And it gets millions and millions of viewers for being a dummy. Do you know what I mean? When Kim Kardashian did her thing and became a super successful, we all know how she became successful originally from the beginning. <laughs> Everyone was selling sex tapes. Everyone was leaking sex tapes, right? Because no one has, it doesn't, it's just how the world's become. It's terrible. It's a real shame. It's, it's, listen, go back to the old days, the cowboys, and people weren't doing that. No one, no one say that. Never. <laughs> These men were men back then. Like, uh, I, I grew up watching John Wayne movies with my father. John Wayne wasn't doing stuff like that. Clint Eastwood wasn't doing stuff like that. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't doing stuff like that. The scary thing it's, is, it's toxic, and it's never going to end now. Like, it's only going to, it's only going to keep continuing. It, it could only get worse, or something's eventually going to happen. Which I make, um, um, I say his name. I'm making sure I say his name correctly. Um, Ben Askren's opponent, Mas uh, Jorge Masvidal. Masvidal, right? 
He said it exactly. He said, do they, someone said to him, do you think the extra punches after you knocked him out was called for? And he said, yes, I do. My job is to keep going until the referee finishes or stops the fight. Yep. And I wasn't going to stop just because he was knocked out because he made it personal. He made it personal before. So why should I now feel sorry for him after he's talked about my family, my kids, and all these things? I said to him at the weigh-ins, which is what he said to Askren, I will see you in the cage. We'll deal with it then. When Askren was talking, he walked off and Askren was still putting his arms out. What? What? And still talking smack. I don't, I don't feel sorry for that. Look at Anderson Silva versus Bisping. Anderson Silva walked away without Herb Dean jumping in and said, no, 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 you didn't win the fight. Get back in there. Of course, yeah, Jorge's going to get those couple when, shots. When he, when he fought Dan Henderson, he, he smack talked him for a long time. Look what happened when Dan Henderson fought him. Yeah, Do you know, yeah. I'm not talking about the way from Biskin because he's an amazing athlete and he's done a lot. But that smack talk got got the best of him too. So it can happen to the best of everybody. I just think that, you know what, whether you're a smack talker, whether you're not, I don't know. The fact of the matter is just be yourself. I believe that's Ben's character when he fights. But with that comes a price. If you lose, that's the, this is the way you're going to lose. And fair enough to Ben, he took it on the chin and he said... I deserved it. So you know what? If he says it, and it's between him, them two fighters, why is everyone else making comments about it? Why does everyone else care? The fighter that got knocked out and got probably got his jaw broke three or four punches after, he said he deserved it. Still only, he would know best. Still only 19-1. I think that he's still got uh, a long future back. ahead of him here. He'll come back. He'll come yeah. back. He's an athlete. Listen, you're talking about a guy that was a Division One wrestler, his wrestling capabilities are fantastic. He's just got to learn his strikes, not put all his eggs in one basket. It's a learning curve in the UFC, jump into a big division full of killers, and it's a learning curve. I believe he'll come back. I think he'll get better. Um, if he doesn't, then he'll fade away. But like, guess what? Life will go on. Now, James, last thing I want to talk about here, John Bones Jones, what did you think? Because for the first time in his career, he had a judge score the fight against him. What did you think of the performance? Was John coasting through the fight, or was he was was he trying to be more technical because he knows how explosive and dangerous Santos could be at any given moment? Listen, he's coming from, in my opinion, and I've worked with um, uh, Greg Jackson. Uh, Greg Jackson is probably one of the most intelligent, strategic coaches when it comes to the fight game. Um, he has a different view of the fight. He's not like the most technical coaches, and he knows the most flamboyant, amazing techniques. He's not that kind of coach. He's more of a coach that can uh, implement a game plan for the fight. He can see a fighter. He can work out where he's strong. He can work out where he's weak. You know, he's like a good commander on the battlefield. He knows he can see the format of an American football team and know where the weak link's going to be for the quarterback to make the right touchdown. He, he, he That's how he looks at the game. He, he, he studies... Um, Olympic fencing. He studies all kinds of battles and colonels and reads books on wars. He's a fantastic um, strategic uh, coach. But John hasn't been in the ring for kind of a while. He's had quite a bit of time off, right? So, And the time he has had in the ring hasn't mounted up to much. If you said his last two fights, it was not a lot of time. How much time has he had off in the last three years? A lot. You know what I mean? So, do I think he was trying to get cage time? I think if he could have finished him, he would have finished him. I don't think he was going out there to cruise. But with that, he had a very tough, strong, unfearful opponent mm. in Santos. He wasn't fearful whatsoever of any aspect of John's game. So, John had to keep his game smart. But the problem is now, is John is so good. And he's beaten so many amazing champions and made them look simple. If anyone lost a round with him, like people are like, oh, wow, the guy won the yeah, round. Yeah. He, you, you know what I mean? That effect has almost took place. Now, when John, I think John lost the first round, if I'm honest. I think it was the 10-9. But when John got into his groove, I think he won every round after that, if I'm honest. Um, I just think it looked good for Santos because he survived five rounds with John Jones. And anyone who does that, the world is like, oh, wow, he survived. So they see the fight with a completely different aspect. If you didn't know the two fighters and they were complete A and B with no face and you watched it, you said John Jones won that 99.9 .9 times out of 100. 
you know. But because of John is used to known as being so flamboyant, he makes uh, he finishes opponents quick. If he doesn't finish him, he just beats the crap out of them from so many different ways. It's so obvious that he won. Anytime there's a bit of a close fight where both fighters are still standing at the end, everyone goes crazy as if, oh, wow, John lost. John didn't lose the fight. Watch the fight again. I've watched it three times. He didn't lose. He didn't lose at all. Um, if the judge scored a loss, it ain't the first time a judge has made a stupid mistake, right? Let's put. Yeah, let's yeah. get things. <laughs> judges are not known for their fucking clever, clever judging, right? That's why there's a big thing in the fight world saying, don't leave it to the judges. Yep. It's not. It's like when a, you know, when an idiot makes an idiotic choice, you can't. You know, you got to. It's just an idiot, right? So that's. You haven't got to be much in, in the school world to be a judge. Let's get that fucking straight from the start. So if a judge put John losing, then it just goes to show, backs up the census that most judges don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Now, let me also bring this up as well. I feel like this day and age, <clears throat> a lot of the fighters out there feel like they have to move up a weight class to, you know, be a legend or to challenge themselves. We've, we've seen it so many times, but I don't want to see John move up a weight class. I yeah, feel like... <laughs> Oh, no, this is the Conor McGregor thing again, yeah. because he was the first two-weight champion. Now, everyone wants to be a two-weight champion, because one champion weight isn't good enough anymore. Do you know what I mean? But John Jones is smart. He's smart. I don't think he'll take looking for two two belts. I think that if he does take a super fight, it'll be a super fight because of the money and because of the challenge. I, John's a big guy. He's six foot five, whatever. But he's not a big guy in mass. He's never going to be a natural heavyweight. Um, you know, he's walking around at 225, 230. He's a lean guy. His legs are quite skinny. His upper body's big. He's got a big wide back and girth. Um, but his arms are quite small but very long. His legs are small but very long. He's not built as a heavyweight. You know what I mean? He hasn't got that thick set. And if you really look at it, um, and I may get a bit penalized, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you are or whatever. No, this is just a professional opinion. John's not a, a one-punch knockout fighter. He hasn't got tremendous power where he hits you in one shot and knocks your head off. Do you know what I mean? Like some heavyweights. Yeah. You know? Um, he's an accumulated fighter. He'll beat the piss out of you. He'll get you with good elbows. He'll get you with distance. He'll hurt you. He'll break you down. Then he'll submit you or he'll beat you up until you can't continue. Whatever. He's head-kicked guys before that have landed flush and they've still been standing They've still been standing. You know what I mean? Whereas when, you know, Crow Cop hits you with a head kick, their heads are almost in the fifth row. Yeah. You know? There's like, you know, Shane Carwin would hit you with a, a three-inch punch and almost knock your head through the through out of Vegas. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's real heavyweight power. You know? John doesn't possess that. But he possesses a, a whole mountain of other, of other tools and weapons. Don't get me wrong. The guy's super, super talented with a whole world of other tools. So let's not get things twisted. But he doesn't have that one-shot knockout of power as, as a heavyweight. And I think that's what's reluctant about putting him up. They won't, they won't jeopardize his legacy unless it's the right fight. Yeah. He said that he would, he would much rather fight DC than Stipe. And I honestly believe... Okay, would they make Niganu and John Jones? Oh, not, in a million, not in a million years. No. Because Ninganu just has to touch you. If he touches you, he's going to knock you out. You know what I'm saying? John could beat him up for four rounds. But if Ninganu touches him once, it's all she wrote. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be really ugly. So that's, that's a heavyweight knockout power. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So John doesn't possess that. Not that there's many that possess Ninganu power, but there is quite a few that can still make that knockout. You know what I mean? So... That's that's the problem you're going to deal with. If John sets up the heavyweight, it's going to be the right fight. It's going to be the DC fight because, like he said, he's got his ingredients down. He knows DC is far more dangerous as a heavyweight, in my opinion, than a light heavyweight. Yeah. Um, he's much more confident. The weight cut doesn't uh, he doesn't like it. Um, he can't do the same wrestling strength moves that he can with people at, at light heavyweight. Um, John is a bigger light heavyweight than him, but DC would be a heavier thicker set, stronger, heavyweight. But that's a good fight for John. He's got the distance. He knows he's going to fight him. He fought him before. He would he would probably be reluctant to take the Stipe fight unless the money was good. But also with Stipe, we've already seen the blueprint how to beat him. Don't forget, John Jones is a Division One wrestler. 
uh, epic on the ground. No one wants to be in his guard, a, a bit, have John Jones in their guard because of elbows and strikes. He would just take Stipe down, I think, and want to grapple the, and ground and pound the crap out of him, like DC kind of did. Now, there, there are some up-and-coming late heavyweights out there, like this young kid, uh, Johnny Walker. I mean, do you think it would be too soon for... Because let's, let's be real, John will probably return, he says November, October, November, but probably December, you know, to end the year off, he'll, he'll probably return. He'll wait, he'll wait for the Christmas the Christmas fight, probably. Without a doubt. So I, I feel like Johnny Walker, if he can get another fight uh, and wins it, do you think that would be too soon for him? Or would you like to see uh, some fresh blood in there take a title shot? Or, like I said, is, is it too soon? I think it would be good to see some fresh, but what I don't want to see is someone go in there that's not ready. We'll know if Johnny Walker's really ready. As minute he, if it, when he fights somebody in the top three, yeah, let him fight Santos and see how he gets on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Do you know what I mean? Because we've seen a couple of guys now step up that look great, but they didn't really beat anyone until they fought John Jones. Do you know what I mean? They kind of skipped the last two or three people out in the top five. And they went from number seven to all of a sudden or number six all the way to a fucking world title shot. And they look great doing it. But as John said, yeah, they look great beating guys number seven. Between number two or number three and number one, it's a lot bigger than you think. <laughs> Especially when that number one is John Jones. Last thing I want to discuss here before we go, Uriah Faber is returning this, uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, did you believe him when he said that he was retiring or did you think... Uh, he was probably going to come back. I never believe when any fighter says they're going to retire. <laughs> but I know with Faber is that it's not a financial decision. The guy is very lucrative in business. He's got amazing GM. He's got business deals everywhere. He owns a lot of land and property. So he's a very intelligent guy. Um, he's super talented. He's not, he's not out of shape. He's young. He's healthy. He's been around. Um, I and felt he... at the time when, he, when he did it, I felt that it was the right move to make. But I think it would have been an easier move to make if it was just a break. You know what I mean? Some time off. Because, yeah. Don't forget, yeah, when when the Connor situation all happened, I think it really depleted him. Like, it kind of depleted a lot of athletes, right? He made them all... Connor went through a division and made them all question their ability as a fighter. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? Honestly, for Uriah Faber, I'm interested to see what happens this week now that his body's been able to rest. I'm sure he's been active because he has all the gyms and everything. So do you, do you believe in, last question, do you believe in ring rust? Do you think that's going to be an issue for him or do you not believe in ring rust? Well, I don't know about ring rust, but I, I, I think to myself, you know, the ring rust is definitely a thing. It can happen and there is a thing about it. And it doesn't matter if you've been working in the gym, it's not the same um, sparring is not the same. It's not the mental pressure. It's not the build-up. It's none of that. Um, but it's not also real. It's sparring, right? Especially with a vet Tough like sparring is. Faber. It's yeah. not a real fight. No one's really just. Well, you're sparring, but you're sparring not to viciously hurt, right? So you're competition sparring, which means you're putting pressure. You're your working speed, agility, and all these things, and timing, but you're not well. You're not trying to knock the other guy out. If it's in-house sparring, anyway. If you're paying guys to come in, then it's in-house. It's out of house, and yeah, you are paying to risk knocking them out. I don't know if that's been happening. If that's the case in boxing, that's done a lot. I haven't seen that done too much in MMA, uh, which it should be, in my opinion. But um, I mean, listen, Uriah Faber is a super talented young young fighter. He's been around. He's fought everyone. He's a WEC uh, champion. He's a superstar, an amazing wrestler, a good fighter. He's been across the board. You know, there's nothing else to sell about Uriah Faber. The proof is just going to be in the pudding. We just don't know what Uriah Faber we're going to see, right? And that's it. It's all boiled down to which guy we see at the day. And now with TJ Dillashaw gone, uh, you know, you got Henry Cejudo as the bantamweight champion, surprisingly. I mean, Joseph Benavides as well, which Uriah and him will never fight. But I would like to see Cejudo versus uh, Uriah Faber if, if Faber can get a couple of wins here. Because he's never been able to win a title shot. He's only lost in title fights except for that one fight with... Uh, Oh, I forgot his name. But, uh, you know, he's only lost in big fights. So we'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah, it happens. But, I, I mean, I'm very interested to watch the fight. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested. Just as a fan, more than anything, um, I, I'm very interested to see how he comes back in. I wish him nothing but success. And I hope I hope the old Uriah that we've seen for so many years is there. 
Well, that ends episode number 17 of Gloves Off Podcast with Evil Eddie and James McSweeney. James, we want to wish you luck. We want to hear what the fans out there think about James's situation. And uh, let us know on Instagram at GlovesOff underscore pod or also on Twitter at GlovesOffPod altogether. And we will see you guys in about two weeks. James, last thing before we go, you just got into America. What, what are your plans for this week? What do you got, what do you got going on? You still got to travel um, to Texas, I'm, right? I'm driving over to Plano, yes. I'm just, I just buying a truck right now. I just bought um, a caravan to, uh, to take my family across. We load up the pets, we load up all of our stuff. We're going to stop at Jellystone Park on the way and have a little uh, camping trip for a day or two and uh, let my daughter fish and have some fun. And then we're going to head over. We'll be in Plano. I start teaching there on on uh, the 15th of July. And the gym is open and running. So McSweeney Martial Arts in Plano. It's like 10 minutes outside of Dallas. So, um, yeah, it's going to be fun. Make sure to follow James at McSweeney MMA. That does it, guys. And remember, two weeks, we'll talk to you then. James, thank you so much. God bless. Thank you guys for best part.